The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I don't want you to lose the battle for your soul. I'll be doing a funeral this Friday for the young man that I spoke about on this broadcast who was an alcoholic who lost his life who died. 
30 years old. I outlined for this young man very clearly what the battle was for his soul, and I urged him, don't surrender your soul to the devil, but fight and trust Jesus, and he will turn this alcoholism around. He will cast it out. And now I have to go for a large number of people, many of whom are in the very midst of the battle for their soul, and they don't even know it. And I have to do a funeral. I don't want to do the funeral, but I have to. I'm going to speak very honestly and kindly and and with great mercy. I'm going to address the people who come to this funeral and say to them, Do you recognize the battle for your soul that Sean went through? And are you going to lose the battle for your soul, even as he did, but just in another way? I don't want you to lose the battle for your soul. It is a bitter battle. It is a war. It is a bloody war in the heavenlies. And you can lose that war. You can be very religious and lose that war. Religion will not save you. Only the person of Jesus Christ who gives you new birth, who releases you from the bondage of sin, only Jesus has the power to save your soul. I don't want you to lose your soul. I'm fighting with all of my energy and all of my strength on this radio broadcast to come to you and warn you, don't lose the battle for your soul. It's the most precious thing God has given to you. And I fear many of you will lose the battle. And how am I going to stand before King Jesus and have him ask me, where's your flock? Why have so many turned away who listen to your broadcast? Oh, I don't want that to happen. I want him to say to me, you spoke the truth. You were earnest. You were serious. You didn't play. You warned them. The blood is not on your hands. The blood is on their heads. Oh, but I don't want that. I want much more than that. I don't want just to have the blood on my hands. I want you to be saved. I want you to enter into Jesus and totally destroy totally destroy the spirit of Antichrist that wants to indwell you, that wants to take you to hell. They know they've missed. They know they're going to face the judgment, but they don't want to face it alone. They want you standing before the judgment bar of God condemned with them. They'll go, but they don't want to go alone. Well, you know what? I don't want to go alone to heaven either. I want you to go with me. So every dollar I have, every ounce of energy I have, every every fiber of my being, I am fighting for you to not lose this battle. Don't rest easy saying, oh, I've got it made. I'm I'm saved. Don't do that. I'm warning you, make your calling and election sure. Do not in pride say, oh, I've got this thing. I'm cool. 
If you say that, you're already lost. You're already lost. The battle is on for your soul. Don't be religious. Be a Christian. Don't be religious. Be one with Jesus and cut off the enemy and cut off the Antichrist spirit that wants to imbue your spirit and take you to hell. I want to read a passage of scripture for you. It's found in Revelation, the 14th chapter. It's a third angel. I'll begin in verse 9. This is Revelation 14, verse 9. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, that is, the beast power brought forward and established by the dragon, the devil. We see that beast power already shaping today. We see it shaping in the United States of America as they totally eviscerate the Constitution and defy moral law and natural law and are demanding that everybody have the jab. It's just a practice run for the mark of the beast. I pray you've not taken that jab, but if you have, don't take any more. They'll kill you. If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on their forehead or in his hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There's no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast and his image, or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. The battle is on for your soul, and you will not be able to buy or sell. You will not be able to survive. Did you know in parts of the world this is happening right now? New York City, you're not allowed to go into restaurants or commercial venues without the jab, without the death jab. Australia. I mean, I look at what's happening to the Western world. Hitler had nothing on America compared to what's happening now. The murder of babies? The death jab? The removal of freedom? The evisceration of the Constitution? Who would ever imagine this would happen in America, but it's happening? The beast power the lamb-like beast power that rises, I believe, represents America. We'll talk more about that later. Is the mark real? Yes. Is it spiritual? Yes. It's also physical. You know, I take the hermeneutic that, that says, take the simplest possible answer for what the meaning is. We know now that technology will enable every person to be marked, even as they're attempting to 
mark every person with a jab of a of a so-called vaccine that changes your DNA that will create sickness in your body. I'm very troubled by this. Yes, it's a real mark. I don't know what kind of mark. If it's a chip, if it's a... I don't know what it is. But now the technology is available for every person in the world to be chipped or marked. Yes, it's real. Don't play games with it. I want to read for you another passage. Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Take this seriously, please. Take this seriously, please. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. King James Version puts it this way, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And you know what? These powerful principalities and powers and rulers of the dark, they have emissaries in this world. I watch as the President of the United States has transformed himself into an angel of darkness. I've watched as our Chief Justice, John Roberts, has transformed himself into an angel of darkness. And many others that I could name have taken the side of darkness, and they are against your soul. And the Lord is warning Put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. Now, I'd like to address today some things that I think will be helpful to you as you consider what you must do to save your soul, to win the battle against these powers of darkness, these principalities, these authorities. In America, in my lifetime, we've not had to stand up against the principalities and powers except in a spiritual way. But now these principalities and powers have taken over human persons. And they are utterly given out to witchcraft, to every kind of ungodly and vile perversion, trying to transform our children into transhumanists, trying to change the genders of of little boys and girls. This is child abuse. It's evil. In the face of that, we're going to have to stand up and say, no, no. I will not submit to that. My first loyalty is to Jesus Christ, not to America. 
I asked a friend who is a Muslim. I said, is your first loyalty to Allah and to Islam, or is your first loyalty to America? Without batting a lilash, he said, my first loyalty is to America. He's an FBI agent. I said to him, David, my first loyalty is to Jesus Christ, not to the American government. I love America. I support in every way America. I believe in America. I love living in this nation. But my loyalty and my obedience is first and foremost, unashamedly, to Jesus Christ and to the scriptures. And I will live by these scriptures or I will die by these scriptures. If it means martyrdom, so be it. I would rejoice in martyrdom. I am not going to betray Jesus by his grace and by the power of his blood. I am loyal to my Lord and to my Savior. And I pray, I always will be, and I pray that if I face a situation where I am forced to make a decision between my physical safety and my eternal destiny, that I'll have the courage to say, I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. Now, Moses, I want to talk about Moses because of what God did with him. And if God could do this in the old covenant, how much more can he do this in the new covenant? The people have become utterly corrupt. They've gone back to their prosperity God. And can I be straight with you? Many people have taken the jab for prosperity. Likewise, many people will take the mark of the beast for prosperity, for survival. God is angry with them, and rightfully so. They have entered into a covenant of blood with him, and they have now broken that covenant. I found a note in my Bible. Let's see if I can find it again. I think it's over here in in Revelation. Yes, here it is. This is something the Lord gave me. I'm not a prophet, but I am a watchman. And he spoke this about the children of Israel. And he said it will be the same at the end of time with the mark of the beast. He said, listen. Listen, 
And then he said, repent. And then he said, I have broken the staff of correction over the backs of my sheep who long for different pastures and whose heart is fat on that which is not holy. I will now let them pursue their own lust and I will no longer stand in their way. When a person takes the mark of the beast, it is the final end decision. There is no possibility of salvation after that mark is received. It's over. And part of what I see happening in the church today is I see that the American church has a heart that is fat with that which is not holy. And I hear the Lord beginning to say, okay, church, I'm going to step out of the way and I'm going to let you pursue the lust of your heart. And I'll no longer stand in your way and try to bring conviction to your heart. I'm going to step out of the way. And you do what you think you have to do and what you want to do. And when God does that in your life and you continue to pursue wickedness, entertainment, money, prosperity, sexual satisfaction with unholy people outside of marriage. When you do that, you are well on your way to losing the battle for your soul. The only hope we have is that God will continue to stand in the way of the church and use his rod to correct and to change and to chastise. When he stops doing that, it's over. Read carefully Hebrews, the 12th chapter. So here's Moses. The Lord has said, I'm going to step out of the way. I'm going to let my people do what they want to do. If they want the idols of Egypt, then they can have the idols of Egypt. I'm going to step back and in his anger, he tells Moses, I'm going to destroy this people. And I'll make of you a great man, greater than they were. Well, Moses, I love him. Moses now faces the temptation of being somebody. But I can tell you all of those years in the desert washed out of him the desire to be anybody. That's what solitary confinement tends to do in a man. It humbles him. 
And instead now he becomes what God wants. He becomes an intercessor who goes and weeps before the Lord and says, Lord, why should your anger burn against your people? You brought them out of Egypt. You made a covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Don't destroy them, Lord. So the Lord relented. He's pleased with Moses. Moses goes down and finds that everything that God has said is true. So he throws down these tablets and he takes the golden calf and he has it ground up and thrown in the water and makes the people drink it. And he says to Aaron, what did the people do to you that you led them into such a great sin? Oh, don't be angry, my Lord. I don't like Aaron much. I don't like his compromise with darkness. I don't like his his lack of support for his brother and his God. He has seen the miracles. He has seen the, the glory of God. He has seen it all. So now he pretends that he just takes the gold and throws it in the fire and out pops this idol. Liar, liar, liar. So Moses does the impossible. He calls who will come to my side and and be with me against this wickedness. And the, the Levites, the family of Moses, all come to him. And he says, strap your swords on and go through the Go through the camp and kill anybody you find who is acting in a way that's unrighteous, that's unholy. 3,000 people die. And then the Lord, because he's so upset with these people, sends a plague and many more people die. We don't know how many. It doesn't say in the scripture. But now, this is what I want to talk to you about. In chapter 33, Leave this place, God said, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. So God is saying, Moses, you take the people. What they really want is prosperity. So go take them to the promised land and give them the prosperity they want, but I'm not going to go with you. So Moses goes to the people, and he says, the Lord is so upset with you. He's not going to go with us to the promised land. We're going to go on our own. And by the way, you need to take off all your jewelry, all your fancy clothes that you got from the Egyptians. Take them off. The Lord has said, he'll decide what he's going to do with you. Now, Moses took a tent and he pitched it outside of the camp because the camp was so unholy. Moses didn't want the presence of God to come into the camp. So he he set a tent of meeting up outside of the camp. 
And that's where he would go to meet with God and get his directions. I can tell you today that if God came, he would not come into the church. Most churches he would not enter into. Many churches are crying out, we need revival, God, we need revival. But if God came in revival, he'd have to kill half or more of the congregation. They're like Ananias and Sapphira. They're lying. So Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach your way so that I may continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. You know what? I'm asking if God, are you pleased with me? I want God to be pleased with me. I want that more than anything else. I want God to be pleased with me, and I want him to teach me his ways that he could continue to be pleased with me. And I want the presence of God to go with me. I don't want to come on this radio broadcast without the presence of God with me. I was pleading in the prayer closet before I came to do this broadcast saying, Lord, don't send me to do this radio broadcast without your presence. I want you to be with me because how will the people know that what I'm saying is true if there's no Holy Spirit power accompanying it? Moses said to God, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Please, I don't want success. I don't want people to look at me and say, Oh, you see that pastor? He's very successful. No, I don't want to be marked by success. I want to be marked by the presence of God. I want people to look at me and say, the presence of God is with that man. When he prays, God answers. I want people to look at me and say, Pastor Ray knows Jesus. Do you see the glory on his face? That's what I want. That's what Moses had. Verse 18, Moses says, Show me your glory. The word glory means weight. It means how big you are. Show me, God. Show me how heavy you are. Show me. Show me your weight. Show me your size. Show me who you are, God. My heart cries out to know who Jesus is in his fullness, in his glory. The Lord answers by saying, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. 
I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But you, but he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. What's he saying? If you look in the face of God, you will see his justice. And if you see his justice, you will die. Because all of us have been sons and daughters of perdition, of wickedness, of sin. I cannot look on the purity of Jesus and live. I cannot look on the purity and the justice of God and live. That's why Moses says, show us your glory. And God answers and says, I'll show you my goodness. I'll show you my mercy. I'll show you my kindness. If I show you my justice and my purity, you'll die. There is such a distance between us and God. And that distance was supposed to be closed by Jesus. And now I want to see the goodness of Jesus. I want to see the mercy. I want to see the kindness. But I am not ignorant of his purity and his justice. I'm not ignorant of his anger and his wrath against sin, against the spirit of Antichrist. God is angry with the spirit of Antichrist. It is his complete and total enemy. There's no redemption in the spirit of Antichrist. There is no spirit of mercy or justice. No, there is no spirit of mercy and kindness. There is only a spirit of of justice in God and purity in God toward the spirit of Antichrist. And I I should yesterday, as I spoke about the spirit of Antichrist, I should have urged you, search your heart, examine your mind and your body and your spirit, and see if there is anything in you that is still a part of the spirit of Antichrist, of the lust of your own heart, of the fatness of your own sin. I want to see the goodness of Jesus. I want to see the mercy of Jesus. So the Lord says to Moses, you chisel out two stone tablets and bring them up to me and I'll write on them again because you broke the the rock of covenant. So he did that. And early in the morning, he went up to the Lord And he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. Without eating or drinking, he was living on the Lord God of heaven, sustained and fed and nourished by the Lord himself. And the Lord came down, and he stood there with Moses, and he proclaimed his name, the Lord, the verb to be, I am. 
past, present, and future. He passed in front of Moses and he proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, compassionate, gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. And Moses bows down to the ground and he worships. And he says, Oh Lord, Oh Lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Moses has gone up on the mountain to try to make atonement for God's people. He's offered his life. And the Lord has answered, no. No, I'm not going to take your life as an atonement for your people. He couldn't because only the righteous son of the living God could offer the atoning sacrifice that would open the way for the salvation of God's people. So Moses now is bowed before the Lord God of heaven. The Lord, if I found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. The Lord said, I'm making a covenant with you. Before all the people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Obey what I command you today, and I will drive out before you the Amorites and the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and so on. Do not worship any other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous god. Please go with us. Please go with us. That's the cry of my heart to Jesus. Please go with me. Please go with me. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger. He abounds in love and faithfulness. But he is a just God. And the Lord said, I will go with you. Now, what I love about this story is the intimacy, the obvious intimacy between Moses and the Lord God of heaven 
and we know the Lord God of heaven was Jesus himself. I love the intimacy between Moses and God's heart. I want that intimacy too. In the new covenant, there is an intimacy that is available to us that far exceeds even the intimacy Moses had with God. But most of us have never experienced it because the battle for our soul has not been settled yet. That battle for your soul must be settled. I spoke with a man this morning. He asked me if I would pray for him, for what he does at work, and if I would pray for his physical healing. And I said to him, first I have to deal with a problem. And the problem is that I have watched you now for quite some time. And you will ask me to pray for you, and I will pray. And God will answer my prayer, and he will come and bless you. And after you've had a little blessing, you become arrogant. You become proud. You become angry that things aren't working the way you want them to work. And the presence of God leaves you. Now, I will pray today, but you must first make an honest decision about your soul. Will you give up your anger and impatience with God and with people? I don't intend to pray for God's blessing on you again today, only to have you get arrogant and proud after he has rescued you from your financial situation or your physical health, and then take on your pride and your arrogance again. You must humble your heart before God, or I will not pray for you. And in response, he humbled his heart and he repented. And I prayed for him. And I am frightened that he does not sufficiently understand that our God is a jealous God, that you can't flip back and forth. You are either going to serve the living God of heaven or you are going to be consumed by the Antichrist spirit. Now, please understand that every one of us born as sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, were born under the Antichrist spirit. We were born into wickedness, into sin. And it is only by being born from above, it is only by being circumcised of heart by Jesus Christ, it is only by being totally changed and made into a new creature that we can escape the antichrist spirit and come as one into the spirit of jesus and many of you today are in the valley of decision the battle is on for your soul and many of you are not taking that battle seriously you don't understand that the reality of the spiritual realm is more real than the physical realm. I said to this man before I prayed for him, you understand there is a spirit realm and there is a physical realm. You are asking that things be changed in your physical realm. 
The only way that can happen is that God moves in the spirit realm for you and on your behalf. And if he moves in the spirit realm, it will be manifest in the physical realm. He said, I'm beginning to understand that. If God doesn't do it, it won't happen. I said, you're right. The spiritual realm is more real than the physical realm. It is permanent. But everyone in the spirit realm is not permanent. The Antichrist spirit will be kicked out of the spirit realm and cast into the fire of hell. The devil is a spirit. He's a spirit being. He will be cast into hell. Now, the ways of the Antichrist spirit are very clear. And I've shared those ways with you on a number of occasions. But let me read it for you. I say, live by the spirit. This is Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 16. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You see, there is a spirit, a spirit realm. And then there is the sinful nature in the physical realm. These two must have a relationship between each other. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want because you were born under the power of the Antichrist spirit, and that Antichrist spirit must be utterly cast off in your life, and you must identify where that Antichrist spirit is functioning in the physical realm in your life, in what you do, where you go, and what you say, how you spend your time and money and energy. And many of you, I am sad to say, are fat on the ways of the Antichrist spirit in what you watch, the games you play, the relationships you have. And God will finally come to a place with you where he says, okay, if you really want that Antichrist spirit, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop you anymore. I'm not going to put a block up. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do. It's yours. Go for it. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The law condemns everything about the Antichrist spirit. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. But please, before I read this, understand that all of these actions have their root in the Antichrist spirit. They have their root in your spirit. They're simply the manifestations of what is already in your heart. Sexual immorality. Impurity, 
debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because you are walking in the Antichrist spirit, and the day will come soon when the Antichrist spirit will be manifest in the full person of the devil-possessed man who will be the full Antichrist. Already many Antichrist men have come. Hitler, Mussolini. I could name some American presidents, but I won't. But they've been Antichrist. They have been against Jesus and against his people. Antichrist. False saviors. All of these manifestations flow out of the Antichrist spirit that is warring in you against the spirit of the living God. And you can spend the rest of your life warring, going back and forth, and you're still lost. The only way you can be saved is to position yourself totally and completely and humbly at the feet of Jesus and repent and ask now that the spirit of the living God would come into your life. And this is what manifestations come when the spirit of God is fully in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature. They have crucified that antichrist spirit with its passions and desires. Since we live by the spirit now, let us keep in step with the spirit. Let's not become conceited. Let's not provoke and envy one another. And brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, not with self-righteousness. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions that he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. For each one should carry his own load, and anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Usually we don't talk about that, but we've come to the end of the month. 
And the word says, share with your instructor. So I'm not going to do fundraising. I'm going to simply continue to pray that God will convict you. And we need to cover the cost of radio for the month so that we can come back next week and continue in depth with the story of Moses. Well, we're almost out of time for this broadcast. I want to pray with you. Lord, I pray today for every person listening to this broadcast. I pray that they will win in you, Jesus, the battle for their soul. That you will come and use the rod of correction and pour forth your goodness upon them and turn them from every wicked thing. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Please, you can write to me, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find all kinds of podcasts and videos. My brother, my, my sister, fight the battle of faith. Be transformed by Jesus. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Through Jesus Christ